Hello and welcome to the RICU. I'm Daniel Fuchs. I'm Stephen Gams. And I'm Gidalia May. This is the RICU, where we keep you up to date on all the latest in clinical research. We know how busy you all are as med students and residents. It's sometimes hard to keep up with all the latest literature. So we're here to review recent research articles from top-tier medical journals to keep you up to date. Without further delay, here's today's episode. The first article that we'll be discussing today poses a question. Is high alcohol intake associated with increased risk of AFib in young adults? But isn't it well known that it does? Yes, Daniel, I know what you're thinking. It is true that alcohol intake is a known risk factor for AFib. However, this study focused on an increased risk of AFib in adults aged 20 to 39, a population that hasn't really been tested in isolation. Tell us about the study, Stephen. The study was a cohort study using the National Health Insurance Service database in Korea. The authors studied over 1 million patients in the database and found that there is, in fact, an increased risk of AFib with persistent, moderate to heavy drinking. In fact, the authors found that there is up to 25% higher risk of AFib when associated with a higher cumulative alcohol burden for four years, and up to 47% with sustained heavy drinking over four years. Wowzers. I seem to recall that regardless of age, AFib is associated with poor clinical outcomes. Unfortunately, that is true. The recurrence rate of AFib reaches 50% despite treatments including cardioversion and antiarrhythmic drugs. Being that alcohol consumption is a modifiable risk factor for AFib, I figure this is an important article to share. Young adults with heavy drinking habits should be educated about the hazardness, hazardousness of AFib and its association with heavy drinking. Very nice. The next article for today was published in the JAM on November 9th and was an original investigation looking into the remote management of hypertension and hyperlipidemia. Interesting. That could save people a lot of waiting room time and would be pretty convenient if it works. It can also effectively promote healthcare as some people who wouldn't take the time to come to the clinic may be willing to take a phone call. That's right. This study included more than 10,000 patients, some of whom were just getting remote education and others who are getting education as well as therapy optimization over the phone. Tell us the results, Daniel. Without getting into the nitty gritty numbers, the results of this study indicate that a standard remote blood pressure and cholesterol management program may help reduce cardiovascular risk and minimize the need for in-person visits among a diverse population. So these conditions, namely hypertension and hyperlipidemia, do seem to be able to be managed effectively over the phone. Next, we will talk about the management of aortic dissections, more specifically, uncomplicated type B aortic dissections. Great. But before we get there, Daniel, can you give our listeners a quick background on what uncomplicated and type B aortic dissections mean? As an aspiring cardiologist, this article is very interesting to me. Uncomplicated means that it is not very complicated. And type B aortic dissection affects approximately three out of 100,000 people, of whom more than 60% present without signs of rupture or malperfusion. Type B aortic dissection is referring to a dissection in the descending aorta, while a type A is when the dissection occurs in the ascending aorta. Perfect. Thoracic endovascular aortic repair, otherwise known as TAVR, is standard of care for patients with complicated type B aortic dissection but its role in treating uncomplicated type B aortic dissections as prophylaxis against late aortic events and mortality is uncertain. So this article sent at, set out to compare medical management alone versus TAVAR in patients with uncomplicated type B aortic dissections. Wow. Okay, so how did they do the study? 
this study was done with over 7,000 patients, of which a little over 1,000 or 16% of patients underwent TAVR, and a little less than 6,000 patients underwent med medical management alone. The primary outcome was all-cause mortality. After statistical analysis, they found that TAVR was not associated with reduced mortality at one, two, and five years, but was associated with increased odds of stroke and all-cause hospitalizations. However, the reasons why some patients received TAVR while others did not was incompletely characterized. Based on the findings and limitations of the study, the authors suggest further studies to conclusively define optimal treatment for uncomplicated type B aortic dissections. So it sounds like based off this study in the JAM on November 5th, 2022, that medical management for type B aortic dissection is just as effective as a TAVR over five years. Correct. And that's all we have for you today. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or any other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of the information is at the, owner, at, the, is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at theRQTeam at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook at theRQTeam. As always, thanks for listening.